Remain standing, if you're already standing. <laughs> Lectura tomada del Salmo 10, versículo 14b y versículos del 17 al 18a. El pobre puede contar contigo, y también el huérfano. Escuchas los anhelos de los que sufren. Ofrezas esperanza y prestas atención a sus pedidos de ayuda. Defiendes a los huérfanos y a todos aquellos que tienen necesidad. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's children's time, so if you all come on down. Hey! All right. Good morning, good morning. Excellent. So which of you are good helpers? I bet there's, I thought so. That's awesome. Can you think of some ways that you help out others? What are some different ways? Cleaning your room? Hmm. What about helping with your cat or your dog? Anything like that? Cleaning the dishes, awesome, awesome. Very good idea. Anyone else? Sorting the clothes? That's awesome, very cool. Well, y'all are awesome helpers. Do you remember the last two Sundays when we collected school supplies and we put them on the tables that were over there? And we had school supplies for the folks that are going back to school that don't have school supplies. So that was to help those folks out from one of our neighboring schools. And did you know that every Sunday we collect food for our neighbors that are hungry? Did y'all know that? Yeah, so over here there's a, just a sample of all the different items that we collect on Sundays. And what happens is our church family, when they go shopping during the week, they'll get an extra can of vegetables or box of cereal or jelly, and they'll bring it and put it in the basket here outside um, this door where it's normally kept. And then what we do is um, throughout the week when people come and they're hungry, we give out that food. So that's another way that your church family helps out. Okay? Can, would y'all help me put this, these groceries back in the cart? That would be awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Careful. There's a lot of food. Awesome, thank you all. Y'all are awesome helpers. Let's get our packets down. You can go back and see what, sit with your families.
is one of my favorite songs. So thank you, Sanctuary Choir. Has anyone here, other than me, eaten government cheese? You know, the, the kind that came in that cardboard box that you could leave out on the counter for about a week and it wouldn't go bad? <laughs> exactly. So you, you could put this cheese between two pieces of Wonder Bread and then you put some margarine in a cast iron skillet. <laughs> Toast that up on both sides and pour it out onto your plate. You can cut that cheese in, in half and the cheese would still be the same. <laughs> Yellow, unmelted tasteless. How about powdered government cheese? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the kind that you could make mac and cheese out, you know, at least that cheese melted some. So, how about powdered government eggs? You know you're not in the upper 2% when you're eating powdered government eggs. <laughs> Well, I think about that cheese, sometimes even fondly, as, as I am pulling out a, a triple cream brie that has been wrapped in a pastry shell out of the oven. And I think about it and I say, thank you. I say, thank you. You see, when I was five, my mother worked for National Linen as, as a seamstress, and the work had slowed down, so she was temporarily laid off. So we qualified for food stamps then. So for a couple of months, I ate government cheese. It was back when I was too young to understand the stigma that goes with eating government cheese and having money that was not green. As far as I was concerned, my mother was just making grocery. So she had money that wasn't green. You know, half of the people I knew had that cardboard box and had non-green money. I didn't realize that we needed a little help. My parents are proud people. My mom still is, and yes, I know. Don't tell her I'm giving this sermon. <laughs> Because uh, I will have a, a talking to if she hears that I've shared this truth. You see, we believed in the importance of self-initiative. We believed in the concept of our own agency and the idea that we needed assistance to make ends meet must have caused my parents a great deal of emotional pain. Because I'd heard, you know, God helps those who help themselves in my household. I don't know how many times, so much so that I thought it was scripture. Because you see, in my mother's home, practically everything is scripture. <laughs> so I was surprised later on in life to find out that 
you know, God helps those who help themselves was not in the Bible. But I learned that its origin was back in ancient Greece. And one of, the, one of its earliest sources was um, Aesop's fable. It was called Hercules and the Wagoneer. And it's about a merchant who was taking his wares to market, and his cart got caught in some mud. He got out, and he tried to get the horses to pull his cart forward, and no, no avail. Tried to back it up some, nothing. And as he rocked it back and forth, he noticed that the cart was getting lower and lower in the mud. So he finally realized that he couldn't do it on his own. So he knelt and he prayed to Hercules, please come and help me get my cart out of the mud. The fable says that Hercules did show up. But what Hercules said was, no such luck. Set your shoulder yourself to the wheel. You see, Hercules had not realized that this merchant had already done everything he possibly could to get his cart out of the mire. Hercules was not a very compassionate God. Now, God helps those who help themselves made its way into the American lexicon through Ben Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac back in 1736. You know, God helps those who help themselves. It really does have a, a, a sense of scripture to it. I mean, if we we're looking at, say, Colossians 3.2, um, 3.23, it says, whatever you do, work it all with your heart as if working for God, not as for humanity. In Proverbs 6, 10 through 12, it says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like abandoned and scarcity like a robber. Proverbs 12, 11 says, the one who works the land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasy lacks judgment. Proverbs 12, 24 says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. And in 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, if anyone does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their immediate family, they have denied the faith and is worse off than an unbeliever. Yeah, so these all seem to say in one way or another, ora et labora. It takes more than just prayer, but work for God to help those who help themselves. You know, that's the truth. There's, there's, there's much truth in God helps those who help themselves but we shouldn't just sit around waiting for God to miraculously right the wrongs in society. We shouldn't just sit around waiting for God to give us a job without filling out an application. We shouldn't just sit at the table and wait for God to put food on it. We should help ourselves to the best ability. You know, I'm, I'm a product of that pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of family. I get aura et labora. I honor aura et labora. God does indeed help those who help themselves. But that's not the whole truth. You see, 
Adam Hamilton, the author of Have Truth, says, our times of prayer are meant to empower us for and guide us into action. All too often, I have heard us good church folk use this phrase to avoid our obligation to help others, to negate the need for us to do our part in actively providing love towards our neighbors. Hebrew and Christian scripture both repeatedly and consistently implore us to help those who can not help themselves. Sometimes people are so deep in a hole, there is no way that they can get out by themselves, and they need our hand. It's true that God helps those who help themselves, and it is equally true that God expects us to take special concern for the poor the orphan, the widow, and the needy. James 1:27 it says, true devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, and in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus tells us God judges us not only by our faith, but by whether our faith leads us to a greater compassion for the poor and needy. Galatians 5, 6 says, Paul was saying that we are saved by the kind of faith that moves our heart to action through love. And in Proverbs 19, 17, those who are gracious to the poor lend to God, and God will repay them fully. Jesus even quotes Hosea 6, 6. He says, I desire faithful love, not sacrifice. When he's talking to the Pharisees about what it really means to worship God, showing compassion and mercy for those who are struggling is very much a part of the character of God. Unlike Hercules, in Leviticus 23:22, we are instructed that when we harvest our land, we must set aside a portion, an edge of the field. Don't gather every remaining bit from your harvest, it says. Leave these items for the poor and for the immigrant, because I am the Lord your God. This command involves compassion and charity, but it also involves the dignity of work. The poor could harvest a portion for themselves, and it involves recognition that God is the source of all wealth, and that we are merely resourcers of the ultimate source. You know, when my mom was laid off, my parents didn't want a handout. They just needed a temporary hand up. I think we get it twisted sometimes. We blame the poor for their poverty. We blame the homeless for their homelessness. 
And we blame the undocumented, who are often refugees from violence, for doing everything they can to come here because they want exactly the same thing that our forebearers, many who were undocumented immigrants, wanted. They want the opportunity to offer their children the possibility of having a life that is better than the one they had from where they left. Don't get me wrong. Like Hamilton, I believe we can and should debate the best ways of helping and not hurting people, of creating independence, not dependence. But what is not debatable is our calling to help. If we have no compassion for those in need and do little to care for them, believing God only helps those who help themselves, then we've missed an essential component. God is a God of compassion, who calls us and equips us to change the world and to do so in God's name. Yeah, God helps those who help themselves. But what I know is true is that God is the God of the hopeless cause, that God loves us, that God walks with us through both the hills and the valleys of our life. She is the God who brings peace among times of anxiety and despair. She rescues. She redeems. She forgives, even when we have made a mess of things ourselves and we can't fix them. God extends mercy to us. There's a, a word for God's mercy toward those who cannot help themselves. And that word is grace. Hamilton says, there are many kinds of help we need in life. One involves the basics of life, food, shelter, clothing, security, health care, all these things deemed essential in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. God meets those needs, physical needs, through our work and through community when we and others act as our siblings keepers. He continues, but as Maslow recognized, there are also needs of a higher order. We need acceptance, love, a sense of belonging. We need hope and peace, comfort, forgiveness, and inner strength. We need to know that our lives matter and that they have worth. We need an understanding of our purpose in life so that we can pursue it and be fulfilled. These are spiritual or existential needs and are often met by God's gracious work in and through our lives. So when we practice or labora, when we pray and when we work, these needs are met. Today, we have the opportunity to meet some of our spiritual needs. In the activities building, we're hosting Connection Sunday. There are some 30-plus opportunities at those 22 tables for us to find places where we connect, where we can find a place to belong, where we can perhaps find our life's purpose. 
You see, that there is a place where your passion meets the world's greatest need. Perhaps next door, there is a place where you can become the answer to somebody else's prayer. Or perhaps you can find a place where you can find God's grace. When there comes a time when you can't help yourself, and it will happen, a time when there are things from which you simply cannot save yourself, no matter how hard you try, a time when you will not have the strength or the resources or the knowledge to know how to fix it, or a time when you don't believe that you even deserve help because you know what you did to get yourself into that situation. Know that God will reach out to you and say, here I am. You matter to me. There is nothing that you can do or nothing that you have been unable to do that will separate you from my love. That's what's called grace. Thanks be to God who helps those who work and pray and can help themselves. But even more so, thanks be to God who helps those like many of us who can't help themselves. And that is a whole truth, the promise of grace. Amen.
as the ushers come forward. What is not debatable is our calling to help. We have to do our part. And part of what it means to worship is to show compassion and charity and to give. RMCC is here to demonstrate God's love and provide a sense of belonging to people, a sense of purpose. I know when I came here, I found grace. Here is where God helps others. And RMCC is here because someone else paid it forward for us. Resources who came before us. Please give. Thank you.
ask your blessing upon these gifts. May they be multiplied tenfold as we go from this place and spread your all-inclusive love. This we pray in the name of all that is holy and sacred. Amen. As we come to this table, we know that we are all welcome. If you question that, know today that you are welcome to come here if you are in the need of help to find strength here. Know today that you are welcome to come here if you are in the need to help others, as we are called. Also know that you are welcome to come here if you're a mixture of both, needing help and needing to help others at the same time. And also know that you are invited here if you are one of those who needs the grace to not help yourself to too much so that others may have as well. This is God's table. Jesus prepared it for us told us to come and eat together, everyone at the same place, at the same level, so that all might have enough. On the night that Jesus turned his ministry over to us, he took bread from the table. He gave thanks for it, then he broke it and shared it with each person at the table, saying to them, this is my grace given for you. And likewise, he lifted the cup, gave thanks for it, and said to each one present, drink deeply, this is my love, my life, poured out for you as often as you sit at a table and eat bread and drink from a cup. Remember me my life, my love, my ministry. I am entrusting it to you. Holy One, we thank you for these gifts of the table. As we receive them, may they transform us. May we go from this place. May your kingdom come. Amen. Mm -hmm. Here at Resurrection, we practice an open table, as at MCC churches around the world. If you would like to receive a blessing this day in Spanish, you would come to the server to your most left. If you would like to receive a gluten-free wafer, if you go to the server at your most right. If you would like to have a deeper moment of prayer, if following communion, if you would go to our prayer partner over at the prayer wall, where you can also leave prayer requests in the box, but also have someone pray with you. And if you would be so kind as to share with us the pronoun with which God knows you, so that as we bless you, we will use how God knows you in that prayer. This table is said, and it is ready. It's a table where God says there's enough for everyone, where even a crumb becomes a feast. Thanks be to God. Come and receive.
Let us pray. God, this ain't no government cheese. This is not something that doesn't transform, but transforms our very being. May we take it in so that we are changed and we may change the world. Amen. Please rise as you're able for a closing song. place to connect and belong. And by the way, during that time of um, separation from work, my mom decided that she would go back to college. And she got her degree, and she has been in nursing for the last 30 plus years. So. I also want to tell you that there's a vegetarian option available next door um, for the catered meal. And I'd like to close this in a prayer. So will you pray with me? God, we thank you for grace. Thank you for the many times you have helped us and we have not known where provision has come from. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the meaning you bring to our lives. Thank you for rescuing us and calling us your own. Please use us. Holy One is your instrument. May we help others who are in need. We offer ourselves to you. May we go forth and change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go.